This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Marriott Hotels. Let your mind travel to one of our 582 hotels and resorts. And baby, we've got 160 more planned for development. Join the movement. It's Marriott. I'm Timmy Clawhammer Pickmaster Slim. Tim, I was going to say I'm Slim Pickens. (laughs) So it really took all of mine. And this is Ear Buddies. What do we both do? We reach for that that sweet apple that's hanging nice and low. Yeah, that was a shotgun blast over everything I was thinking of. That's okay. That's good. (laughs) How you doing, pal? I'm good, buddy. How are you? <sighs> Thrilled. I'm excited. I'm excited because today on Ear Buddies, at long last, you and I, we're going to touch grass. Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee hills. Ain't no What feeling do you get when you hear this kind of music, my man? Oh, Tim, I feel like I just did a bump of coke and (laughs) jumped onto a wild horse. (laughs) And everybody's cheering for you, too, you know, like, (laughs) not a cop in sight, and it's, yeah, you got nothing but the open range or, or the, you know, the... The rodeo bowl or whatever. It's all you. I'm so excited, Tim. I know there was one point uh, recently where I Hmm. said I feel like a a junkyard dog on a chain uh, (laughs) because I was so excited. And I am nothing if not a master of turns of phrase, just (laughs) casually. I don't think these up beforehand. Uh, They just come to me in the moment. But once you've said one, you know... It's yeah, it's floating I mean, around there, right? It's part of the the parlance now. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be on our merch. But I feel <laughs> like a like a junkyard dog on a chain with this mm. episode because Tim, uh, as you know, well, as probably maybe even the, the army remembers, mm. uh, we have been planning on talking about bluegrass for a hot minute now. Yes, right. I think it was sort of a cast aside idea from season one that the, the can just kept getting kicked down the road until until we went on a hiatus so yes we've been we've been thinking about this well tim not only have we been thinking about it can i tell you a quick story yeah would you please uh so several months ago mm-hmm. um it was you know i guess it was before the hiatus was taken mm-hmm. uh i went to to bed one night and I closed my eyes, and I ended up having a dream. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this dream, I was at a, an elementary school, and I was out. I was out on the playground at recess, and all these this gaggle of children came up to me. Are you an adult they, man still? Yeah, yeah, I'm myself. Okay, yeah. Uh, th- this gaggle of children came up to me, and they said. Basically, they expressed that they wanted me 
to teach them the history of bluegrass music. <laughs> and what happened in the dream was, obviously I was thrilled, and uh, mm-hmm. the teacher, for some reason, the recess monitor, wasn't mm-hmm. having it. Um, and then I, frustratingly, I woke up, mm-hmm. and Ugh. and that was sort of a dream deferred. And <laughs> <laughs> But, look... I'm. I don't know much about the interpretation of dreams. I haven't read <laughs> Freud's book, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a freebie. I mean, I know what that was. It was the army. Those children were our army, saying, oh. "Please, Maddie, tell us about bluegrass." And so now, let's let's no longer defer the dream. It's time oh, to my. talk about bluegrass. <laughs> I'm glad, glad you framed it this way, pal. Because I thought we were just sort of indulging our our own silly passions, but no, we are actually fulfilling a prophecy. It seems. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. So, so before we before we go all the way into this, I, I I do think we should say we're not only doing it because of your dream. We're we're bringing this up. This is this is contrary to what you may think, dear listener. This is of a piece of season two. This yes. is part This is part of our long-term thesis, our mission here to reignite our, our interest and our passion for pop music. That road goes right through bluegrass, does it yes, not? Yes, absolutely. This is thematically consistent. It's not indulgent. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, Nothing yeah. we do is. <laughs> no, but it is it is part of the prophecy. Uh, but yeah, that's that's important to say because we really are. I mean, we're better at this than ever. I would say, and and we've matured, and we're going mm-hmm. to uh, stick to this theme and and mm-hmm. bring up these motifs time and again, and we are going to inject hope and and delight and excitement back into all of our musical consumption if we do a good job. We are Barack Obama at the 2004 presidential Democratic presidential nomination convention. That's right. Igniting hope. That's right. So, Matt. Uh, yes. A little history. Would you, would you please tell us what the deal is here with bluegrass? Where did it come from? Where did it go? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'll make this briefer than I normally would. Uh, mm-hmm. Briefer than I would have in the dream had a, it gone on longer. <laughs> but bluegrass music, we're all mm-hmm. sort of familiar, but it is uh, American music. Uh, and how. And how. That it was developed uh, in the 40s in sort mm-hmm. of, uh, not not the deep south, but like the region of Appalachia. Appalachia. Um, Kentucky. Uh, is a uh, sort of the central state, mm. uh, the you know the origin of this. And it is music that is played with strictly acoustic instruments, such as yeah. uh, the banjo, the mandolin, the fiddle. The uh, upright bass, um, the guitar, mm. and uh, some other some others thrown in every now and then, um, and it is 
super fun, and it's <laughs> well, it's always been fun, and it's going uh, it's going in an amazing direction now. That's all I'll say yeah. about the history in general. I will mention here, Tim, uh, because yes. it's, it's important to uh, make sure that I mean that we're credentialed in talking about this. That's um, right. As we know, I am a real musician, and <laughs> that's I, on the record now. Yeah, and I am one of those. Uh, almost entirely because I got my start playing in a family bluegrass band when I was just a boy. You knew this about me, Tim, right? I assume you oh, must. Buddy, your family band is the reason I first laid eyes upon you, actually. <laughs> I do tell. We didn't we didn't meet until we were both near the end of high school. But uh, uh, as a younger fella, back when your band was, you know, really kinda tearing up my nod. Uh, <laughs> Someone gave you some some positive press. I can't remember if it was the Minot Daily News or KX News or KMOT or what, but I saw the story, pal, and I there I saw your beautiful blue eyes holding that fiddle. <laughs> that's, um, that's great. Well, that's what I was doing back then. Uh, yeah, I was I was I was just a boy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, those years specifically, I guess. Sure. Um, and. I, along with uh, all of my many uh, siblings, we all played the uh, the fiddle, and we got involved in the bluegrass scene in North Dakota, and we went on tour. We bought a um, an RV. I think I have a copy of your CD somewhere. Yes, and 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 the the CD is being sold at a, a many Christian music um, <laughs> outlets, <laughs> just around. Uh, small town North Dakota. There's, and you know what? Actually, uh, we, we may do a giveaway for Christmas. Uh, there are still five or six full boxes of those CDs um, in my in my family's basement. Okay, so I was going to say, run, don't walk to your nearest Gideon's trumpet and uh, get yourself a copy. But that's right. to say i know what i'm talking about all right i was i was i went through the uh the gauntlet the the crucible yes you've played the game you know how this is yes bluegrass i love um for many reasons one of the reasons is that it's not the kind of thing i i would have listened to before when i saw that news piece matt i was not a bluegrass guy oh tim I gotta interject. Neither was I. I hated bluegrass at the time. I, I, I hated it. Only old people showed up to our shows. I, I thought it was pretty stupid. I thought it was boring. I was not a bluegrass guy. Continue. Yeah. 
all the songs kind of feel the same, right? That's maybe what you were saying at the time. Yeah, it's all this right. boom chick, boom chick stuff. Trust in God to set him free. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon and night. Uh, you know, simple melodies, simple chord progressions. What is there to like uh, as a complex young man, right? Yeah, well, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and we will get into, <laughs> I think, the joys we find in the music now. Um, but part of the beauty of bluegrass is its its very clear definition. Like, you know, when you say pop music, you could mean any number of things at this point, right? But when you say bluegrass, for the most part, we we know at least what the uh, instrumentation is going to be. We we know roughly that it, it's going to um, have kind of that fast tempo, the emphasis on the offbeat, the sort of feeling, um, and and yeah, that we'll we'll have we'll be hearing melodies that we'll probably be able to sing along to, um, even if we don't know them at the start. They're so simple and um, memorable mm-hmm. uh, that that it it kind of gets under your under your skin pretty quickly. And of course, I should mention uh, the emphasis on harmonies, right? The vocal harmonies. Yes, uh, that's that's a huge, a huge aspect of it. Um, the 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 high lonesome. I don't know if you've heard that term, but the high mm. lonesome sound is the mm. the one that. Uh, well, I'll mention a, a bit more history. Uh, Please. Bluegrass. It was named after uh, Bill Monroe, who was uh-huh. the undisputed god of bluegrass and the bluegrass boys which was his band uh they uh did such a good job at popularizing this genre that uh (laughs) they named the whole genre after them uh and and bill monroe sang the the lead which is the high lonesome like the tenor right uh Mm -hmm. which is really a coveted role i remember at those bluegrass festivals i used to be at tim and there were these young guys not much Whoa. older than me, trying to sing the high part. And I thought at the time, well, that that just is ridiculous. But, uh, no, it's not. And then, yeah, you've got, you know, often close, like, three-part harmonies. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it really, yeah, it, I mean, that's... That's bluegrass, right there. So we mentioned that neither of us uh, had a taste for this at the t- at the time, you know, when back in in your fiddling days, anyway. Um, and neither did I. It's so adjacent to country music, I suppose. Um, and I guess I was I was sort of an obnoxious uh, teen who decided early on that I wasn't into country music. So by extension, why would I like bluegrass? But as I grew and became less stupid, um, I, you know, opened my heart to more genres, to more genres. And what I find with bluegrass is this electricity. Mm-hmm. Either listening to or, you know, watching if you can find a video or something. 
or see it live. These performers are amazing. Uh, it's 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 like watching an Olympic swimmer or a gymnast or something at times because they are masters of their craft. They've mastered their instruments. Yes, and we you know the tempo is often just blazing fast, and yep. so they're you, you'd think they're hanging on for dear life, but no, they're they're you know calmly playing these <laughs> rapid uh, arpeggios and and flying through and singing at the same time, watching great performers play is such a delight and you don't have to be a master or you don't have to be a real musician or anything to take joy in um, in seeing that very well put and I think yeah like for me that is uh, you know a large part of the appeal uh, now as well like the with a lot of uh, kinds of music I would say if I may that you don't really have to be a master or even necessarily that good at like mm. the instrument you're playing uh, to make it work absolutely right um, but with this like you simply you it's it's on a virtuosic level that mm-hmm. I mean so many of these these bluegrass musicians are playing on it's um it's ridiculous yeah it's like it's like it's it's a performance in a way that like I mean yeah it's like it's athleticism almost another another piece of it that I love um, is somewhat tied to history, but it's this idea that there's a songbook. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, <laughs> Do I ever? And how, Tim? And how? <laughs> the idea of uh, passing songs down in generations. You know, you said your whole, all your siblings all played the fiddle, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you experienced it, all learning these staples of bluegrass. And yep. There's a tradition, there's sort of the oral tradition um, and the passing down of songs and uh, play styles and teaching one another how to play. And you can hear it, and then you can hear songs evolve. You can hear how they're um, interpreting this song from the songbook differently. And that's really fun. It kind of reminds me of jazz in that way. Yes, okay. Um, and it's yes. it's really it's really cool. We have the the collaborative sort of um, spirit behind this, right? Because yes. the bluegrass what I lo- what I love about it, I mean one of the many things I love about it is that these these tunes uh, are developed they're, you know, they're not like written by 
you know, pop by committee, which is sort of something mm. people rag on these days. But you, what you do, Tim, you literally stand in a circle, and mm. you all look at each other, and uh, everyone knows the rules, right? Everyone knows the ethics of bluegrass, and mm-hmm. and someone has something, a melody maybe, uh, and you you develop these themes in real time, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like it's a literal round table. It's a music musical conversation and you know like you mentioned if you have you know you can write the song you can write the tune and uh but even if you have all that figured out it's sort of by necessity written by like everyone else that you're playing with both at the time and then you know if it becomes uh, a standard or ends up in the songbook or uh because you you don't call them covers in bluegrass right it's it's not like a cover of a bill monroe song it's simply just that bluegrass song, that standard. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I love because the 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 version that you hear uh, on any record is not the final ver like there's no such thing as a final version of a bluegrass sure. song, which I which I just think is exciting, you know. It is exciting. I mean, in jazz, we have a thing. I say we because I play jazz drums. Um, oh, look at us! Called bluegrass I know. and jazz. Sorry. Here we go. This is great. Called it. <laughs> called a fake book have you ever heard of this matt yep, it's like yep. it's it's basically a uh, a non-copyrighted uh book of songs so each each tune is is just one sheet of paper uh with the melody and everybody's reading that same sheet regardless of the instrument you play mm-hmm. and it maybe has the chord changes written above the melody so you know when to play what chord if you're not playing the melody at that time and it's just this simple way to learn the songbook, learn the standards of jazz. It would not shock me one bit if you told me that there's a bluegrass fake book out there, too. I've got something called a fiddle fake book, Tim, and that's okay, there you go. exactly what it is, yes. Yep. That's a real delight um, to me, and, and part of the fun of listening to this music, for sure. The other thing that, and I guess if we can sort of pivot into what we are hopeful about uh, in terms of um, kind of our broader theme here. This is not just dinosaurs playing old ancient music here, is it, Matt? Boy, this is, yeah, Junkyard Dog, man. (laughs) It's not. I'm dangling a steak in front of your nose. It absolutely is not just old people playing old songs. And that Mm -hmm. is what I thought when I was a boy, Right mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it's it's easy to think that of course especially if you're young and stupid right because that's not really my fault I was young and stupid but yeah, yeah. and I think you know what this may be true actually for a lot of of older and not stupid people now where the perception of bluegrass is still uh, that is still you know mm-hmm. old folks kind of getting together and and jamming on acoustic instruments how boring right 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 uh, but Tim that is um, Things are, things are moving along at a rapid pace in the bluegrass world these days, and it is uh, intoxicating. So my entry point to <laughs> really being interested in bluegrass actually was a band called Punch Brothers. I died happy. I died happy in my sleep 
talked about sort of the community around bluegrass and the communal nature of of the genre um this is a band that was founded by a guy named chris Thiele, who plays the mandolin i mean he's probably the best mandolin player living and the band came to be because all these bluegrass guys chris included go to bluegrass festivals around the country and they, you know, they talk shop, they they exchange tricks, they hear groups play, they, you know, they mix up the groups and play with each other. And he basically scouted who he thought was the best banjo player uh, and the, the best bass player, the best guitar player, the best fiddle player, and got them into this band. <laughs> so just on that, you know, on its own there, I love it. Really, really cool. It's basically just a super group. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the dream team here. Yep. And what they're doing, though, is using the traditional instrumentation of bluegrass. So you're hearing the same timbres, the same instruments. And stretching the limits of the genre, making it much more contemporary, Sometimes they're reorchestrating classical piano pieces, like Debussy pieces. Sometimes they're just making pop songs, like straight up pop songs. Sometimes they're just making traditional bluegrass music, too. It's really varied. And in fact, the bluegrass community kind of like, they would like boo them off the stage sometimes because it was so radically different from what a lot of other bands are doing. Mm, Yep. Uh, the community has warmed up to them now. They're a big, they're a big deal. You know, they sell out concerts everywhere they go. Um, they're one of my favorite bands ever, and it's so interesting. I mean, at, we call it New Grass, Matt. Yep, yep. And they're not the only ones um, doing this. Like uh, you've got guys like Bela Fleck. Mm, yes. Uh, um, You've got guys like Billy Strings, who I mentioned as well, who just dropped a new album, in fact, oh, uh, like buddy. two days ago. Yes, and, and and if I can just take away your entire train of thought here and, and make it my own. He's, he's fascinating because he's doing... He's playing bluegrass, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not new grass in the sense that it's not a, like progressive and complex sort of... Uh, you know, classical reorchestrations and, and weird modulations and stuff, right? It's like it's the traditional stuff. I can't find. I've been lost within my mind since you fell out of my sight without a word. Well, I thought I knew it all. But 
is being he has like a Grateful Dead esque following because he's he's playing these shows, uh, and it is bluegrass music. It's traditional bluegrass, but with like stomp boxes and strobe lights and uh, you know auto tune uh, like you know vocals and all this this crazy new ad- addition to <clears throat> what bluegrass can be, and it's very different from a band like Punch Brothers, right? Because yeah. uh, it's it's this it's the same instruments, but it's just it's not the same music. But it's all it all falls under the bluegrass umbrella, which again, like that's that's such a, a exciting thing to to see that you know you can have all these different um, sort of subgenres underneath the bluegrass umbrella. It's a big tent, baby. It's a big tent. It really is. The reason contemporary bluegrass, or I mean, just bluegrass in general, but um, what's happening in the scene now, the reason it excites me and and makes me think that there's still hope, I guess, for uh, pop music, as it were, is what you're mentioning. It's these rock star Grateful Dead-like followings. It's groups like Punch Brothers who, who yeah, they are, you know, NPR core for sure. Um, but but they are making pop songs a lot of the time. And I've been to their concerts. So have you, Matt. I mean, people are singing along like they're pop songs. Mm-hmm. It's um, you can do interesting things with, quote unquote, boring uh, conventions. Imagine hearing bluegrass instruments on the top 100 someday you know like it it feels possible when you see what groups like this are doing and the way they're kind of breaking at least somewhat into some kind of mainstream Mm -hmm. yeah um if that can keep happening and especially if they can have some kind of influence on the greater pop music uh ecosystem everybody wins then because um there's so much creativity uh and you know musicianship talented musicianship uh happening in this genre that any genre would benefit from learning a thing or two from what's happening in bluegrass yeah exactly i mean i i understand i will say i i get the uh sort of hesitation of maybe the general public to get into this sort of stuff because you know mm-hmm. at its at its worst jazz is too cerebral and and it's seems like a bunch of smart guys trying to kind of impress each other that's right um, yep at its worst bluegrass is kind of the same thing right because yeah, you, yeah, you hear it yeah. and it's like you're just trying to cram as many notes as possible into a phrase <laughs> that's who is that for right mm-hmm. um but but what's it all about tim the tunes pal that's right it's all about the tunes and these like <laughs> The, the musicianship and uh, everything else, like aside, even though we can't really put that aside, it is yeah. about the tunes. The the tunes are great, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that yeah, like that sort of uh, influence, it seems much more visible um, than it has been for. It seems much more visible than it has been since "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou" came out when I was in uh. my bluegrass band. And, uh, and I just think that's great. <laughs> yeah, what a moment for for bluegrass, uh, thanks to the Cohen brothers. And <laughs> how exciting for you, Matt, to to be right there alongside uh, the wave. 
Oh, and right, and right I was in the middle of it. Tim, I was right in the middle, and my mom didn't <laughs> let me watch the movie at the time, so I had no idea that people loved this stuff I was putting out. So have you I seen it yet? Broke up the band. Yeah. Oh, it's a great film. Great film. I actually have never seen it. Have you actually not? Bro, it's one of the Coen Brothers movies that I haven't seen. Oh, okay. Well, you and me date night. Ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Ear Buddies <laughs> will continue in a moment. I was born in the place where he was born in This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by the 582 hotels and resorts of the Marriott Hotel brand. Matt. Hey, Tim. Listen, you are, uh, you are an artist. You are a working musician. We've yeah. established that now. I, I'm allowed to say that on the show now because you said so. Yeah, I uh, guess that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, after a long night of head banging and uh you know driving the crowds wild with your tunes you got to lay your head down somewhere at night peaceful somewhere where you know you're going to rest mhm that's marriott baby it's sure not america's best value in on hollywood boulevard i'll tell you that <laughs> No, yeah, keep it with that. <laughs> Head to the Marriott. They fluff the pillows. They take your bag if if you want them to. Um, and they'll take your credit card information in case you cause any sort of damage to the room. They'll charge you. But that's pretty standard at this point. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't scoff at that. I, I think you just have to accept that risk. Yep. Uh, and then you're in for an amazing time. They've got a pool. Some of them have water slides, uh, but, you know, a hot tub. Oh, baby. Mm. Sit in that hot tub. That's nice. Come on now. Breakfast, Go probably. Back. Yeah, yeah. Continental breakfast. Now, this is, hmm, to live at a Marriott, I think, would be heaven. <laughs> Cost effective? No. No, but... but- all your needs taken care of, amenities, a mint on your pillow, new towels whenever you need them. If that sounds like how the elites live, you're not wrong. That is how, you know, this is elite living. It's the Marriott, for God's sake. The reason Marriott is here today uh, on Ear Buddies, giving us some some scratch, is you don't have to be... Uh, a member of the coastal elite. You don't have to be a member of the drive-by media or a mm-hmm. lib mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. A socialist, God mm-hmm. help me. Yep. Uh, to stay in luxury at the Marriott. This is this is the people's hotel for it's, everybody. It's for everybody, Tim. That's for too long. I think we have. <sighs> We've separated... There are two Americas. Well, that's right. Um, That's right. (laughs) At least. (laughs) And, and, 
you know, real Americans, we stay in mm-hmm. places like America's Best Value Inn on Hollywood Boulevard, or the Comfort Inn and Suites, or a Super 8 Motel, or maybe, maybe if we're feeling fancy and we want to splurge, maybe like a Holiday Inn and Suites, right? Sure. And then the other people, those blue-blooded, coastal elite, drive-by libs, they stay at places like the Hilton and... Uh, the Ritz. The Ritz and the Marriott. And the Marriott, yeah. And that, can we not heal that divide, <laughs> if no, if none other? I mean, it the Marriott, it has what everybody needs. It's not just like it has, you know, uh, vegan... Uh, no, right, it's, yeah, it's... They water. Do, there's... There's more than avocado toast. Yeah, right. Downstairs right. in the breakfast room. Yes, it's for if everybody. You, just want, you can, yeah, some frosted flakes. It they're there, right? Or some bacon. Now, that's right. That's they're, American. They're killing pigs and turn them in, turning them into bacon in the back room at the Marriott. And mm-hmm. that's true. if that if that's not, um, if that's not a flag of peace being waved. From sea to shining sea. I don't know what is. This is a group of people, the Marriott family, who just want everybody to sleep well at night, wherever mm-hmm. you are. And so if you voted for Donald Trump, that's okay. Come on in. We got a room here for you. If you voted for Joe Biden, come on in. If you voted for Jill Stein, in 2016, yeah, believe it or not, they've, <laughs> they've got a they've got a place for you. They they've have got a, place a key right here for you for us all. Yeah, second would, floor, would, end of the hall. Would That's you. that the three wise men <laughs> on their journey to see the Christ Child <laughs> that Christmas so long ago had come by a Marriott Inn? <laughs> Would they be turned away? Man. Of course they wouldn't be turned away. Come on. They would show up and they would <laughs> say, we have followed the star of Bethlehem to celebrate the birth of our <laughs> Savior. And, and, and we just need know. somewhere to put our frankincense for the night. <laughs> you know that front desk clerk... Whatever mm-hmm. hour of the day or night it would be, would say, gentlemen, welcome in. Here is a safe for your gold, and your, your frankincense, myrrh. and your myrrh. <laughs> you can put your robes and turbans in the closet and rest well, Godspeed, on your journey. If I may say, uh, if the Virgin Mary had given birth anywhere other than Bethlehem. Well, in any in any place where you could find a Marriott Hotel, one of the 582 cities, and 160 more planned, by the way, um, there would have been room at that inn. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Away in a Marriott. A crib for a bed. They've the got everything you need. Is having bacon for breakfast at the Marriott Hotel. 
Well, he was Jewish, but um, oh. that's okay. <laughs> no, you're you're right though, Tim. Had there had In there been <laughs> had there been a Marriott chain in Jerusalem at the time, we would not have these sad Christmas carols. We would simply be saying thanks, Marriott. <laughs> Tim, our nativity scenes would <laughs> they'd have simply some generic be, artwork in the background. It would be a Marriott room. <laughs> That's delightful. I, if only free Wi-Fi. <laughs> so on that Christmas morn. <laughs> so what's so? Come on, yes. why not Marriott? Why not Marriott? And and by the way, just to you know, just to square this circle, uh, if the Prophet Muhammad ever strolled into a Marriott, you know he's got a room. What we're saying is. It's all good here. You're good. This is the Big Tent Hotel. This is for everyone. That's why they're here advertising on Ear Buddies. It's the Big Tent Podcast. They know that we are here for everyone, and doggone it, so is Marriott. 582 locations, 160 more on the way. Get in there, rest your weary head, and put your differences aside. It's the Marriott. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Matt and Tim on the mic. Hey, pal. Hey, pal. Show and tell time. Uh, you starting or am I? You, why don't you go for it, Tim? I'd love to. I would love to. Um. Okay, we've we've talked a lot about bluegrass, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. And we are going to, uh, this is sort of a you're wrong about uh, bluegrass moment for me here, too. Um, because we mentioned that it is an American form of music. Uh, but is is anything really, Matt, American? Well, don't get me started. No, I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, right. Um so, I am going to play a song by someone named Jake Blunt, who is not someone I had heard of until I was uh, doing some research for this ep. And Hot Dog, I'm glad I found him. Um, the song I'm going to play is from his new album called The New Faith. It's called Once There Was No Sun. So Jake Blunt, he's trying to kind of set the record straight about black folk music. So to start, we should just say the banjo, right? Like this instrument that you would be forgiven if your mental image is of, you know, like a, you know, classic kind of white hillbilly just wearing some some uh, suspenders or whatever, playing a banjo. Yes, you would um, be forgiven. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, the banjo, it, it is an African instrument. It, it came to the United States via the slave trade. So it's an, an instrument that originated in Africa, comes to the United States, is still largely played by black people at the time um, until, you know, uh, the 1850s or so, and you get minstrel shows, right? People in blackface. White people start to learn to play the banjo in this time, kind of in the mid-1800s. They're taught by black people, right? In fact, many of the the great um, American folk musicians that we think of now in kind of the, the bluegrass sphere, like the the Carter family, for instance, mm, yeah. um, they were all taught to play by black musicians. <laughs> they, they taught them how to play the banjo. Um, and then these more marketable, at the time, white artists kind of run away and they make the profits and, and they get the glory. Um all of this is kind of a roundabout way of explaining what Jake Blunt is doing here. He, um, well, A, kind of, like I said, wants folks to know that bluegrass wouldn't exist were it not for black musicians. In fact, you can find old field recordings of what are called black string bands playing playing what we now know to be bluegrass uh, before guys like Bill Monroe came, about, came along and played it. He here with this album, The New Faith, is imagining uh, a future, a post-climate apocalypse future, Um, imagining what music might sound like, what black music might sound like um, in a time after a great disaster. It's kind of an interesting framing device, but what he's doing is taking old black folk music and uh, injecting new rhythms into it injecting new sounds um, you know modifying it like we said sort of taking this very old songbook and making it new it's a fantastic album it's really interesting when when you think about it in you know when you know the context of, about what he's doing um, and Jake Blunt, I'll just say, is someone who everybody should read up more about. He did a 10-minute video interview with Vox recently, which has a lot of the information I just said and much more kind of about black folk music and um, the way it was basically co-opted by white people uh, around the turn of the 20th century and uh, became what we know bluegrass to be today. Okay, I'm. Look, I'm off the chain now. Normally, I would not. I would not save this until this late, but I'm overflowing. That is mm. fabulous. That is a fabulous show and tell, um, and it provides context for uh, a lot of stuff that I'm just going to burn through here, if I may. Sure. Because I, I, and I'm going to. I'm going to lead up to a show and tell. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yes. Uh, Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, they were mm-hmm. the bluegrass band. I would be mm-hmm. very remiss in talking about bluegrass history if I did not mention, well, a number of people who I, who I haven't, but just, I don't know, read the Wikipedia page. Earl Scruggs. 
Earl yeah. Scruggs was the banjo player. He popularized the three uh, the three finger um, arpeggiated sort of rapid fire um, banjo style that you hear in all bluegrass. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a member of the Bluegrass Boys, and he mm-hmm. uh, was taught by a black banjo player as well. Um, mm-hmm. So important to mention that. Also, Earl Scruggs was uh, the gentleman who played. Uh, Tim, I don't know if did you did you ever watch TV Land when you were a, a child? And how, man? Yeah, sure. That was what we were allowed to watch. <laughs> um, and so I assume you're f- somewhat familiar with the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So the theme song of the Beverly Hillbillies was played on a banjo by Earl Scruggs. This is important because you also mentioned Bela Fleck earlier. Right. Uh, and this uh, this is a, a gentleman who is, uh, I mean, the best banjo player in the world today, right? Mm. Sort of no question. And he... Uh, has said that Tim. You know when I when I first heard uh, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card with that with that <laughs> violin in it, and you know what that did to my life and career path. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crucial, so, crucial life moment. Right. Yeah. Same thing with Bella Fleck. He listened to. He heard the Beverly Hillbillies theme song and lost. He was like. He says he was transfixed. It was the. It, wow. He was obsessed with the banjo from that point on. So, Bella Fleck, <laughs> he. Uh, well, actually, and a really interesting thing is that he has a film, a documentary that came out, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when, uh, but it is available on the internet. It's called Throw Down Your Heart. And in this documentary, he travels mm-hmm. to Africa to learn about the origins of the banjo. Ah, wonderful. Which is fabulous, yes. And Bela Fleck also uh, recently, uh, no, let me try that again. And Bela Fleck also uh, released an album, I don't know, I think it was last year, called yep. My Bluegrass Heart. And, yes. And I don't, have you, you've heard a little bit of that, Tim. I've, I think I've, I've heard a l- yes, you, you sent it to me once in a frenzy. And yes, I, and I'm, I'm in I, a frenzy I, now. So, <laughs> and so he, he recorded this, and the song that I want to share is mm-hmm. a song called Slippery Eel. And it is Bela playing the banjo, Chris Thiele from Punch Brothers playing the mandolin, and mm. Billy Strings on guitar. Oh, my Lord. Isn't that just fabulous? Okay, man, it's amazing. Um, and it's a perfect example of contemporary bluegrass like we had uh, like like we've been mentioning. Yep. Because you can hear them jump into and out of the traditional sounding bluegrass, the boom chick boom chick boom chick sort of rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. The up tempo, offbeat, double time thing. And then in an instant that the you know the tonality changes and the tempo changes the time signature changes 
and then they snap back into place. I love it. It's it is a slippery tune, indeed. <laughs> it is, and and what I love about it too, like, is that you know Billy Strings, who I've just you know I've spent some time saying that he's not doing uh, really the kind of uh, progressive, complex bluegrass that. Uh, you know, for example, Punch Brothers are doing. He's playing guitar on this, and he is keeping up, right? Like he's he's phenomenal, and I love. I just love. I love how big of a tent bluegrass is. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's great, dude. It's wonderful, and you know, part of the joy here too. Like elsewhere on this album by Bela, is Noam Pickleney, mm. who who is the. Uh, banjo player for Punch Brothers. The the community is st- clearly pretty tight knit uh, uh, up at the top, anyway. Um, and you can jump, you know, you can read a name of someone featured on this Bela Fleck album, and search that name and find, you know, whatever solo albums they've put out, and find just another branch of this wonderful tree of interesting music. And just get lost in this stuff. I mean, you know, you could go into the the bluegrass woods here and not come out for years. Look, I want to say, the Ear Buddies Army Mm -hmm. uh, is a well-respected community uh, in the public sphere. And... That's right. And you guys... You are good at listening to music and at consuming mm-hmm. it, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's I, that's why I feel like it's this is worth um, it's worth checking out because for me, Tim, uh, it's it's easy. I mean, this is part of our our issue that we're trying to sort of solve is music is boring and it's and it's it gets. <laughs> It's bad now, yeah, you know, that's or right. <laughs> you might be led to believe that. But with something like, you know, I'll, I'll use my show and tell, Slippery Eel, as an example, I'm good at listening to music and uh, to the point where it does get boring. But with stuff like that, it's like I cannot predict what's going to happen next, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know where they're going, where these breakdowns, where they're modulating, where, when they're going to come back. Like, it's ridiculous. And I know mm-hmm. it's high speed, and I know it's sort of a lot going on and maybe if you have a lot of anxiety uh, <laughs> it will just make it worse but uh, I would say ideally uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna give it a shot and you're gonna be more or less into it or at least appreciate it that's that's the dream and if I may um, if you're someone who has never, you know, deliberately sought out bluegrass music and and you do uh, feel your palms get sweaty as you're hearing that sort of thing. Um, I would start on YouTube. I would try to find videos of, of these people playing live um, because I really do think an important element of all this is observing musicians playing together. Um, that is something that, we don't always get to enjoy in pop music because some, you know, a lot of it is just kind of made by a solo person in a bedroom on a MacBook. Um, so to to watch musicians at play, to watch them interact mm. uh, with each other, and you know, see them 
see them listen to each other and themselves and observe how that changes the song, that's a joy in and of itself. And that's a great way to develop an appreciation for this stuff if you don't have it just by listening to Matt and Tim uh, go on about it for an hour. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. And with that, pal, I would like to stop going on about it, and I would like to go to bed. Okay. Well, uh, I'll let you do that. Tim, your life your life is your own. Your time off this podcast is your own. You make your own choices, um, as do we all. <laughs> Love talking to you, pal. Go with God, buddy. Adios. Adios. <laughs>